Hello, it's uh it's a Russian bro guy from Hawkeye whose name I forgot, but welcome uh, to this. So much to talk about today. Full spoilers for uh, Hawkeye and the Spider-Mans and everything Marvel starting now. Very exciting. Let's go. It's the Infinity Watch Let's fucking go, man. Oh, my God. What a week. What yeah, a week we've had. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for fucking sure. Oh, my gosh. Welcome to the Infinity Watch podcast. My name is Tommy. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Eric. Episode 41, season mm. two. We are wrapping up the end of the year at this point. Mm. Um, and we're here to talk about the best Spider-Man movie ever and the best episode of Hawkeye so far. Wow. Yeah, I fucking love it. I, I mean, love it. There's I love so the early much to reveal. talk about. Yeah. And I feel like, fuck it, let's just jump right into all the news. Yes. Because we, just, we need to go. We yes. need to hit the ground running. <laughs> um, Spider-Man No Way Home came out this week, obviously. It did. And it netted the second highest opening day of all time, pitting it right between Avengers Endgame, which made $157.4 million, and Star Wars The Force Awakens, which made $119.1 million. Um, it made just a little bit more than Star Wars. It made 121.5 million, so basically like a couple million dollars above that. Um, but I don't know how your theater was, Eric, when you saw it, but mine was sold out. Everyone was just going crazy on Spider Man, uh, where I was at. It was, it was pretty wild, yeah. So I'm not sure. So here's first of all, this is the first time I've been to a movie theater in several years. Um, and I wasn't even sure. I just remember, like, I knew I didn't want to, like, I don't really give too much. I don't know if anybody really gives too much of a fuck about the Eternals. That's why I didn't make the trip out to the theater to go see that one. But, like, I care pretty deeply about Spider-Man. He's my favorite superhero. And, uh, for this show, I'm sure everybody is, uh, excited about this movie. So I went to go see it. But I didn't, like, plan it out. I think we talked about it on the show. You asked me if I got my tickets. I was like, oh, shit, no. No, I didn't do that. So uh, I feel like they weren't playing any other movies, though. You know, exactly. if you can't find tickets, you got a problem. Exactly. So what happened was I've been off work um, this whole week. And so just Thursday morning rolled around and I had not even played with this thought in my mind. I just for whatever reason, I woke up Thursday morning and I was like. I gotta go see that fucking Spider-Man movie today. So I just hopped, <laughs> oh my God. So I just hopped on. And uh, yeah, there was a showing at 3 p.m., which for me is ideal. I uh, I bought two tickets, myself and a buffer seat, because that probably still costs less than getting a ticket at 8 p.m. anyways. Um, and, uh, and, and, and by the way, the buffer seat, like, don't misunderstand, nothing to do with COVID. I just fucking hate people. I don't want yep. somebody sitting next to me when I'm trying to enjoy a movie. So, uh, well worth the $7 or whatever it was. But anyways, yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's like all matinee, right? Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah, buddy. So, so yeah, it was like... $7, yeah, that's cheaper than half of mine. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, per- yeah, so that's why I got to, and it was uh, it was as, as nice as a theater experience could be, I feel like. It, but the theater was not packed. But I f- suspect... It was it was a lot of weirdos like me in there. 
<laughs> so it just like it got like a buffer seats and shit. This um, is two people in every single row sitting at opposite ends. I mean, there was way there was definitely way more than that. But I mean, to the eye, I would say it was 75 to 80 percent full. That's pretty good for a three o'clock yeah, show. 3 p.m. Thursday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And people were hyped. We'll talk about it. But like there were obviously cheers and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, even for, even at 3 p.m., most people had on some article of Spider-Man clothing. No full costumes, but uh, people were so, definitely hyped. I'll have to tell a story about that after news about our journey to Spider-Man, but we'll we'll get through the rest of the news and then All we'll right. talk Spider-Man. But uh, apparently, as of the end of the day today, um, the expectation is that Spider-Man No Way Home will have made half a billion dollars at the <laughs> international box office. That's fucking insane. That is absolutely fucking insane. And, and uh, I think based on the Rotten Tomatoes score, which is currently sitting at a fresh 94, yep. and several uh, you know, reviews and spoiler-free kind of comments here. Yeah. I mean, the cinema, I think the cinema score is an A plus. Yeah, it's an A plus, yep. Tied for the highest in the MCU. Um, there's a spoiler review here where someone literally says Spider-Man No Way Home is the greatest Marvel movie ever made, period. It's as epic as it is emotional. This is not only a perfect blockbuster, but Spider-Man's wildest, funniest, and most awe-inspiring adventure yet. It's a Marvel masterpiece. So that word of mouth, people saying stuff like that is going to get people that may have, you know, waited into the movie theater. So half a billion dollars within the first weekend, which is crazy. It's absolutely insane. And I saw something, maybe this is another piece of news you had, but maybe this will be a good transition. Like, considering that... Apparently, people are now saying this movie could win, like, it could break kind of the Marvel curse and win, uh, like, Academy Awards, basically for, quote-unquote, saving the, the movie industry, <laughs> which yeah. is which is hilarious to me. Um, and the movie industry doesn't need to be saved. It needs to be changed. FYI, but we don't need to go into that again. Um yeah, that's like the funniest thing is that everyone complains about uh, comic book movies, but man, do they get people into a yeah. movie? Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't get your hopes up, folks, but uh, on Oscars, that is, but you never know. Yeah. You never know. Um, also, just a little note I just got a text here from our Lord and Savior, Kevin Feige. Oh. And he doesn't want fans to panic. And he is confirming that the fourth edition of Spider Man in the MCU is in active development. Yes. Um, The quote from the New York Times interview with Kevin Feige, he said, quote, Amy and I and Disney and Sony are talking about, yes, we're actively beginning to develop where the story heads next, which I only say outright because I don't want fans to go through any separation trauma like what happened after Far From Home. (laughs) That will not be occurring this time. Obviously, he's referring to the fact that there was a period of time where they're like, hey, we're not doing this deal anymore. There's not going to be any more Spider-Man movies. Um, from the comments of Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal, who's in charge of the Sony production side of it, um, they got their shit sorted out. Everyone's happy, it seems. So Yeah, well, um, uh, <laughs> everyone's happy. However, I'm sure you've seen this. I'm sure everyone has seen this. Uh, Tom Holland continues <laughs> to... Uh, let's say aggressively negotiate his next salary by continuing to say, well, I just don't know if the, if I'm going to be involved in the next Spider-Man. 
which is Dude. obviously insane. He's just trying to get a fucking bag, which he will. Yep. Um, I cannot like I I wonder if he'll get as much as as like Downey did, depending on what kind of contract he signs. Maybe eventually, yeah. yeah. I think it's he's it's very really possible. I mean, he is I'm not super tapped into like Hollywood and and that kind of shit, but he seems to me like he is just leapfrogging into like the leading man everybody fucking wants. And he's so young still. It's just uh he must have a deal. I'm assuming he has a deal with Sony. I could just be talking yeah. out of my ass, but he is basically the leading man for every Sony picture yeah. movie that's coming out <laughs> in like the next 3 years. Um, so I'm wondering if there's a lot of times actors will do deals where it's like, okay, you're going to get paid this much, but then you're going to, you know, be in one or two like untitled movies from our same production company kind of. Um, so that's how you usually see bigger actors attached to movies where you're like, why would they do that? It's usually because like they had a deal with another bigger movie that they'd star in two other X studios yep. movies, you know? Yep. I mean? Um, so, I mean, he's going to be in uncharted uh for sony and then he's also playing um the name is completely failing me at this point but it's like a biopic on uh like a really famous dancer and i can't remember his name um and that's also a sony pictures film too huh. so yeah. i don't know he is he is everywhere he's so goddamn charming i feel like he's got a very bright uh very rich future Oh yeah, a very very rich is definitely accurate. There. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, I'm gonna move on from some of the Spider-Man stuff because I know we're gonna be talking about this a lot. Yep. Um. I grabbed this article just because I thought it was stupid. Um. <laughs> Batman, the Batman director Matt Reeves says Bruce Wayne is inspired by Kurt Cobain. I'm sorry, is it 1992? <laughs> yeah, bro. It's so like, edgy, I, bro. I love Kurt Cobain. I love Nirvana, but I'm sorry. This is stupid. Um, I don't really understand it. But I guess director Matt Reeves was interviewed by Empire, and he said, when I write, I listen to music, and as I was writing the first act, I put on Nirvana's Something in the Way. Mm. That's when it came to me that rather than make Bruce Way the Playboy version we've seen before, there's another version of him who had gone through a great tragedy and become a recluse. So I started making this connection to Gus Van Sant's Last Days and the idea that this fictionalized version of Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain being in this kind of decaying manner. So apparently we're going to get edgy Kurt Cobain, Bruce Wayne, who is really into grunge. I don't know. The way that explanation did kind of sell me on it. I see. I definitely understand the idea of like listening to it feels less weird if it's like I was listening to this Nirvana song and it made me kind of think like a gothic Batman that I yeah. totally get. And I support that. That sounds interesting. Like to make, me, it sounds like he's just saying a cool version of like, this is emo Batman. Yeah. Which, it, which was apparent from the first teaser when they made a point to show dreamy Robert Pattinson with this like <laughs> fucking uh, eyeshadow. Why, why <laughs> that they was dislike, like the most he, emo he, shit. <laughs> Batman's going to be like, my favorite band's Hawthorne Heights. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Man. Cut my wrist and black my eyes. Oh, Cut man. my wrist and black my eyes. I was about to say, my, you just made me want to scream <laughs> so badly. But for everyone on the podcast, I won't do that. 
But yeah, oh, I, I think this movie will wait, be Wait, wait, wait. Real quick, please, on Twitter, everyone tweet us Infinity Rewatch if you've ever even heard of that Bander song before. I feel, like, Heights, yeah. I feel like that's such an aggressively like Midwestern thing, like specifically where we grew up. I don't know if Dude, I don't know if anybody would get that reference. Um, I literally went to this local coffee shop in my town yesterday, and the dude had on a shirt at the counter and said, "I used to listen to Hawthorne Heights," <laughs> and I was like, "Man, that's amazing! That's a great shirt!" Oh my god! Um, I hope yeah, Hawthorne Heights is the one selling that shirt. That's kind of a genius way to capitalize on. Uh, on if you've past never things. listened to Hawthorne Heights, go listen to. Uh, Ohio, Ohio is, is for, for lovers, lovers. Yeah. on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! And if you like that, hit up Nikki FM. But yeah, Hawthorne Heights—it's like a super, super emo post-hardcore band from the Midwest. Yeah, it'll give you some nostalgia for sure. Oh man, that's so good. <laughs> All right, I want to hear what Eric has to say about this. Uh, apparently, um, director Matthew Vaughn—he mm-hmm. um, made uh, X Men: First Class. He made the Kingsman movies. Great movies. Uh, He made Kick-Ass. He is doing a lot of press right now because he directed the upcoming Kingsman sequel called The King's Man. They really need to work on the titles for this movie, these movies here. (laughs) Yeah, that one wasn't great. Um, But he has some opinions. He uh, wants to reboot Wolverine, and he has some casting suggestions. Okay. Okay. and I want to I want to hear what you have to say. Okay, about. hold on. Let me pull yeah. up Google on my phone here so I can uh, look up anybody. You, you probably won't need to Google these names. Okay, because yeah, it's, all right. It's two big names. Um, oh no, actually, he gives three names. This is interesting. He said, "Well, he's got older now, but I would say Tom Hardy would have been awesome." Fucking no! Everyone wants Tom Hardy to do everything. They want him to be James Bond. They want him to be Wolverine. I, and I, I feel like whenever any casting decision comes up, I've seen him for Superman, and it just doesn't what? make any sense to me. Like, I um, I must be missing something. I don't dislike Tom Hardy, but he's got to be the most average, like, actor. I've, like, I don't get must it. Must have a good agent. I don't know. What? <laughs> I just don't get it. Yeah, it, it, his name comes up a lot, and it, it's not to say I don't like him. Yeah, same. Um, he's fine. Same. He's, he's like a good actor, Completely but yeah, his agree. name always comes up. Wild. Um, The next one is my favorite. He says, I think Taron Egerton could do it in his sleep. Uh, That's, yeah. He played. Uh, I could see that. In, I could see that. He was in the first. Okay, if you're on, if you're on Google. Find, oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah! I see the picture. I'm sure you're about to tell me to look up. Yeah, he's got like a blue yep. shirt with a white tank top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that that's like that's Logan, dude. Yeah, big. I I actually love that casting. Okay, big fan of that. Yeah, he would be really, really good. Um, and then the last one, he said, Aaron Taylor Johnson could do it well. No. Another name that comes up quite a bit. Obviously known for playing Quicksilver. Uh, in Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, he was in Kick-Ass, and he's about to play um, the Spider-Man villain, um, Craven the Hunter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah, that's fine for Craven. Yeah, he's fine for Craven. No, fuck that, I'm Wolverine. Easily the best choice there is Taron Egerton. However, the best, best choice, which will unfortunately never happen... Well, there's two best choices. One that might happen is Daniel Radcliffe. 
We just got to pump them full good. of steroids. Yeah. Um, but also, Shia LaBeouf would be a fucking great Wolverine, I feel. I don't think that would ever no, happen it just because he's so crazy. Yeah, he's a loose cannon. But Kevin, but Kevin hey, Feige Dis- be like, I don't want the risk. Disney employed him before. That's how he got his start. I don't want another Letitia Wright situation. Yeah, true. Only with hitting people. Although, since uh, just a brief update on that, it does look like there is some dispute on whether or not. Because I did see a quote unquote report. I mean, all of this is probably bullshit. But like, I did see a rebuttal to what we mentioned uh, last week about her uh, fumbling the bag because of her basically anti-vax shit. And however, I saw another report saying that basically that's way overstated. She's one vaccinated two apologize for what she said on Twitter and three, like everybody's super happy with her work on set. So like, I don't know. That sounds like uh, Kevin Feige damage control. If I've ever heard it. Maybe, but if that's the damage control, there must be truth to it. And if there's truth to that, that makes me so happy because I want, I just want Letitia Wright to not be dumb and still be Shuri and also be Black Panther. I think that would be the best, that would be the best outcome for everyone, fans and uh, cast and crew alike. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to say an opinion. I've been thinking about this ever since we talked about it that last week. Mm -hmm. I still am sticking by my gut now that I think it was a major, major mistake to not pause on talking about Black Panther once Chadwick Boseman died. Yeah. And then and then you revisiting wanna... it, I 110% you want the recast. think they should have recast T'Challa. Yeah. I think Ch- T'Challa should be a character that is ingrained in, like, our society as, like, a staple. You know, a lot of Chadwick's family members have come out and said he would have wanted you to recast which i think is a an interesting thing just because i just know if like one of my family members died i'm like i don't really know what their opinion was but like that's their right whatever um who knows maybe maybe they talked about it i don't know but i just think t'challa should have lived on i guess um and i I think they maybe rushed that decision that's that's my opinion on it i definitely hear you my rebuttal to that would be I wonder, and let me preface this by saying I am a white guy who is about to talk about cultural impact, so my opinion here is irrelevant. <laughs> but ditto. But <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm a human person. I obviously do still have one, and I and I wonder if, uh, depending on how with how much reverence they treat the character in this movie, right. Like, I almost wonder if T'Challa could be made into just this, like, reverence symbol in in, in a, a way in, in a yeah. way that, like, every character that dons the Black Panther suit from here on out is always looking back to, like, T'Challa was the best of us, man. And it's just yeah. like, I don't know, that could. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good point, I think. Um you know, it, it, all of our opinions will change once we see this movie that we haven't seen and we know nothing about. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going to go on here. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, despite what anyone says, unless Chadwick Boseman, before he died, had written some note and said, like, it's my view, I, I think you should recast. I don't think it would have ever really happened, probably. Um, yeah. It's just like one of these things in Hollywood where it's just like, 
if someone big dies that is playing a main character, I, it's just the chances of them just recasting and doing it with someone else. Slim to none, I think. Yeah. Well, when at has least... that happened? I can't think of a, in a time that's happened. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it has. But it, but even if it had in the past, I mean, it's a like it's the MCU is a brave new world. It's just different. You just yeah. it's harder to do that in, in something like this. <laughs> the only time they've they've done something like that is when someone's a dick. They've asked yep. for too much money <laughs> yep. or they've they've gotten sexual assault allegations against. Them. Yes, that's the only time that's happened. Yes. So uh, we'll see what happens. I hope. I hope the Letitia Wright stuff is is kind of sorted out and it's kind of been overblown. Yeah. I will say in in the time uh, we live in, in which we get reports every single day from multiple movie productions, uh, we now know more than ever about all the dirty laundry that happens when a movie is being made. Uh, When this stuff has been going on for decades and decades and decades, we just didn't really know about it in real time. So we didn't have the opportunity to kind of talk about it and freak out about it a little bit. Yeah. Agreed. Well said. So, um, all right, let's move on. Um, there's one more comment here from director Matt Vaughn. Um, apparently he was talking to Collider about the Kingsman and he said, we've got a big reboot of kick-ass in two years, big reboot. It's so fucking nuts that I can't talk about it, even though he just did. Uh, but we've (laughs) got that ready to go. All the rights revert back in two years and then we're going to reboot it where people will be like, he is insane. So apparently in two years, they get the rights back and they're doing it all over again. But I would say the first kick-ass movie is perfect. So I don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah, it's Maybe great. It'll be crazy or more violent. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I love that movie. Do you like kick-ass, Eric? I'm a huge fan. And and the I think the most difficult thing they're going to run into is there literally is not a more perfect actress alive for hit girl than chloe grace moretz (laughs) and i feel like true oh who are you thinking who are you thinking oh man yeah who would it be like because it's got to be like a young girl and so like i don't even think we would know who it is yeah i mean yeah just like a newbie but i feel like that she was so fucking funny and just like i don't know it's gonna be such a tough move it's so new. Yeah. What are you doing? Why reboot it? Like, why? Money. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Money, money, money. But yeah, I, I mean, I feel like the movie, the second one was not very good. Uh, I thought Jim Carrey was liked great it. in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But it just like, it, it felt like it was violent for violence sake instead of like violent for being funny and like the story was good. Like the first one just balanced everything perfectly because I think Matt Vaughn directed it. So it was just, he's really good. Who directed Kick-Ass 2? I think it was some random person. Yeah. Matt Vaughn is like, I feel very underrated as a director. I I really, really like most of Matt Vaughn's movies, at least the ones that I've seen. Yeah, the guy that directed the second one um, is known for kind of like truth or dare the movie fantasy island uh like magic eight ball danger girl like not super great and i think that reflected in the movie yeah that's yeah all right uh eternals it'll come out on disney plus no extra charge january 12th so you got like three weeks to go if you haven't seen it in theaters if you want to buy it on dvd blu-ray who buys dvds dude i have no clue Sorry, I, that just got me for a second. <laughs> DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, 
comes out February 15th. So if you want to watch it in a few weeks, you can hit it up on Disney Plus and then you can buy it anywhere else uh, on February 15th. So coming out, I'm interested to watch that one again. I'm excited to watch it. I really enjoyed your retelling of it. Like, I really enjoyed that a lot. I think that will cause me to like the movie more than I otherwise would have. Definitely got to watch that one together and uh, see what you think. Yeah, that one yeah, for sure. It'll be a good time. Um, all right. I guess uh, Avengers Endgame co-director Joe Russo, one of the Russo brothers, um, he was at the world premiere for Spider-Man No Way Home and was asked about, <clears throat> excuse me, potentially returning to the MCU for that long rumored Secret Wars movie, uh, which would be a dream come true. And he said, one of these days, we'll have to see how this all shakes out. I don't know what they're going to do with all these characters. He said, look, we love those guys. He's talking about Marvel. And I can't say one way or the other, but I'd love to work with them in a heartbeat. It's the best work experience of our careers. They're like family to us. We love this material and we love the fans. So seems like, you know, sometimes people are like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, make, make a movie like. I feel like if they're offered something, they're going to take yes. it. That, that's the gist I got from this conversation. Um, so I would love that because they made like the best Marvel movies in the MCU. Yeah. And the fact that, I, I mean, I don't know if any movie has ever juggled so many like major, major characters as effectively as those movies. Um Yeah. And and if, Infinity War to Endgame is just insane. It's really is. I mean, it's it really. Uh, we've, I'm sure I've said almost exactly this so many times on this very podcast. But I so strongly believe that it is like a triumph of cinema. Just just Iron Man to like Endgame is a mind blowing fucking run. Yeah. M- oh yeah. Mind blowing. It's it's crazy. What what they were able to accomplish is crazy. Yeah. And I would watch anything they'd put out. Yeah. Absolutely insane. And they did it. Like, how how many movies did they direct? They did Winter Soldier, uh, yep. Captain America, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. I mean, like, all four of those. Amazing. Like, definitely fighting for top five spots in the MCU. Yeah. Easily. Which is crazy. Easily all four of those are top ten. Easily. There's so no many question. times when a director will make a good movie and then they try to keep doing kind of the same thing and it doesn't really work. And these guys did it four fucking times and <laughs> yeah. got an A every single time. Nuts. Crazy. Um, All right. Remember that Thor Love and Thunder poster that everyone was saying was a, a legit poster and then director Taika Waititi said it was fake? Yes. Uh, apparently... According to the website The Direct, they reached out to the merchandise supplier Pyramid Entertainment, or no, sorry, Pyramid International, and confirmed that this Thor Love and, uh, Love and Thunder poster is, quote, an officially licensed product from Marvel. The site added that it, they said, quote, the poster was mistakenly distributed to a realtor too early and will be available for purchase in 2022. <laughs> So according to the site direct and the supplier that it was leaked through, it's not fake at all. That is such a tough look for whoever designed that poster. Yeah, oh my definitely god! Is, they have the uh, director very... of the movie just roast you on Twitter to that level. 
Yeah, he said, quote, this is so bad that I kind of wish it was an official poster. <laughs> it's definitely what I would have done if I was in charge of posters. Holy shit. That's so that's actually so funny. They have to change it now, though. Even if it even if it was real, I, it can't be anymore because Taika, yeah. Taika lit it up. You can't have that. Dude, could like that's so imagine being the graphic funny, designer dude. on that one? Yeah, that's oh my god, that's so funny. R.I.P. to that person. They're like, I spent all this time working on it. God. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, what world are we living in though that like news sites are reaching out to like poster distributors to try and figure out whether a poster is real Dude, or not? It's fucking ridiculous. For a fucking comic book movie like it's not that serious <laughs> who's who's putting the time in to do this shit even people have patreons now eric it's so serious oh my god unreal all right um guardians of the galaxy 3 although it's been hit by some delays both from covid and and the uh firing of writer director james gunn it is still on track to be released may 5th 2023 so we got like a year and a half to go uh, but work is now underway on the movie. Will Poulter is set to act as Adam Warlock. Um, and now, according to scooper Casey Walsh, who is part of Murphy's Multiverse, see how serious this is, um, according to <laughs> Murphy's Multiverse, the High Evolutionary will be the lead villain of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Okay, I like that. Uh, High Evolutionary has some mutant involvement, right? Uh, I believe so. High Evolutionary has jumped around quite a bit. Uh, first appeared in The Mighty Thor 133 in the 60s um, and had a full appearance in the next issue. He was created by Stanley, Jack Kirby, but he's bounced around, fought the uh, Avengers. He's he's you know interacted with both the Beyonder and the X-Men, a lot of cosmic uh, characters, the Fantastic Four. Um, and so he's kind of been all over the place cause he's like super smart. Uh, he has like a lot of like telepathic telekinesis type powers, um, and you know, cosmic shit, stuff like that. And so he, he's kind of like uh, a good villain that can basically work against everybody at this point. So, um, but apparently, uh, there's been rumors that the high evolutionary will be depicted as the creator of rocket. Um, oh, Interesting. And so there's there's a lot of stuff that's going on there that could be interesting. Yeah, I think it would be pretty cool. He's he seems like a cool villain. I've I've read a couple of comics with him in it, but don't know that much about him. So it's exciting. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully, the uh, Chris Pratt fatigue will have worn down a little bit by then. But I probably fucking not. Yeah, that'll <laughs> be interesting. Uh, I'm interested to see how that'll all shake down. But yeah, I'm feeling it. Feeling the fatigue. Yeah. All right, that's everything on my list, though, for today. You got anything, Eric? Um, yeah, quick thing. It sounds like uh, Daisy Ridley is in very final talks to be joining the MCU in some role. Uh, unsure what that role is. I'm pulling for Jessica Drew. Um, but uh, no, but I guess Jessica Drew probably would be Sony anyways, so it probably won't be Jessica Drew now that I think about it. But yeah, I'm excited about her. I like Daisy Ridley. I do too. I do too. She's she's uh, she's much more than fucking Ray Skywalker. That's for sure. So I'm excited to 
I'm excited to see uh, her join the MCU. That'll be great. And then also, uh, we she did say she would love to play, uh, would love to play Spider Woman. She said that publicly. Oh, did she? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be. I think she'd be uh, great as that, for sure. I don't understand why that would be Sony though. That's the weird thing. Yeah, you're right because Je- <laughs> it's weird because in the comics Jessica Drew really ha- doesn't really have a super strong connection to Peter Parker, but she's still like a spider character. So it probably Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things where if if she didn't have that name, yeah. then it really wouldn't have any connection to spider. I don't know how the rights are. The rights are so fucking weird, yeah. you know. Yes. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but yeah, the only other thing I have is, uh, we don't really talk about the matrix a whole lot on this podcast, but it is, uh, probably my favorite movie and I'm super stoked on the new one coming out in like a couple of days. And the only news is they release social media impressions for it. And to me, they are like glowing. Like I could not imagine better and glowing in the way that everybody's like, wow, that was so ridiculously ambitious. Nobody knows what to expect. And people are either going to really love and hate it, which to me is like the best possible. I love that. Um, And it's going to be on HBO Max. And it's going to be on HBO Max. So my hype level is astro fucking nomical for that movie right now. Um, Dude, I'm so excited. I cannot fucking wait. I've been rewatching the first three. And uh, the last two are definitely better than people give them credit for, but they are also never seen them. Never seen. Wow, them. they're definitely, particularly the second one. I think the second one is still really, really good. The third one's just pretty good. It's not, but need. I mean, the first Matrix movie is an absolute masterpiece classic. Uh, so they obviously do not reach that height. But, but oh my fucking god, these impressions—they got me so hyped. They got me so hyped. Can't wait. Hell yeah, buddy. Hell yeah. All right. I say we start with Hawkeye this week. Yes. And go through that. Leading up to the finale, which is Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, All right. So this week, discussing episode five out of six of Hawkeye on Disney+. This week's episode is titled Ronin. And for weeks, we've been hearing that this was the episode that was going to break the internet, which, can we stop hyping everyone up yeah. on everything? I just feel like my expectations get out of control. But Yeah, the only thing that fucking breaks the internet is when some idiot developer at Amazon Web Services accidentally <laughs> puts a backslash where it's not supposed to be. That breaks exactly. the internet. Apparently, that's happened like four times in the last two weeks. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. All right. So this episode was pretty wild because it opens up in 2018, and we see Yelena with a fellow Black Widow named Sonia, and they're visiting a woman who we basically assume is another Black Widow, and they're coming to do uh, what we saw in the Black Widow film, which is basically hit them with the antidote to kind of the whole, uh, what do you call it? Like the the program that all the Black Widows are under. So they're yep. trying to deprogram the Black Widows um, because she's living this fancy-ass 
like rich mansion. Yeah. But then after they kind of deprogram her, we find out that she's already been deprogrammed and she's actually just kind of like killing people, this, this ex-Black Widow, for money. And that's how she's rich. Uh, she's like, wow, you just ruined like that rug. There goes 20 grand out the window or something. <laughs> uh, if you pay 20 grand for a rug, just go fuck yourself. Yeah, right? yeah. You have too much money and everyone hates you. Just FYI. Fuck, fuck the billionaire. Literally everyone hates you if you spend $20,000 on a rug. Yeah, wild. Um, but rugs are always way more expensive than they should be anyways. Just so. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. I feel like the entire rug industry really is a scam because they are way, way more fucking expensive than they should be. You're so right. Big rug is definitely in cahoots with big curtain and big yeah. blinds yeah. because it's like, man, those things are way too expensive. Um, but back to Black Widow. Um, so she's like, they they realize that she's, Fine. She's like, I made all this money by just like being like a contract killer, basically. And so Yelena goes to the bathroom, and as she's washing her hands, she gets fucking blipped. Yeah. And it is crazy. She like looks down, and then the camera zooms out, and it's like all this this like dust is just floating in the air. But then almost instantaneously, you see her body reform, and then the entire room kind of like cascades away and changes completely. Yeah. And it is fucking crazy. This is so reminiscent to the scene in WandaVision. Yeah, it is. And the more of these blip scenes that we get, oh, man, I would just love it. I love watching how the blip affects people. I think it's so cool. Um, But this was really fucked up because I really felt like we experienced what the blip was like from Yelena's perspective this time. Um, And it just was so instantaneous. And she basically, like, walks out back into this mansion because to her, it, nothing has changed. She she basically went into the bathroom and then walked out, and five years had gone by. Yeah. Which is mind-blowing to think about. But let me say, if if Avengers Endgame happened in our life, I would want to be blipped, because I don't want to have to deal with those five years of, of like crazy trauma. And yeah, shit. agreed. Make, make that shit instantaneous for me, baby. Agreed. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, like, basically, she's like, she finds out, Yelena finds out that five years have gone by, and she's like, I need to talk to Natasha. I need to let her know I'm okay. Uh, and then that's kind of where we leave off there, I think, right? Yeah, because I believe then it's, uh, yeah, she obviously finds out Natasha's dead, and I assume then the end credit scene from Black Widow takes place after this scene in Hawkeye where uh, What's-Her-Face finds her um, and says, hey, you want to kill people for money like the person that you met in Hawkeye? Yeah, and she's uh, like, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, yeah. But uh, so were you surprised when the episode started with basically – like what looked like a deleted scene from Black Widow. Like it, we I, I literally so said that I think to Mia. I was like, "This looks like it was just B footage from from Black Widow." Yeah, for sure. it was so cinematic. It was super well done. Uh, literally, just took the word. I was about to say, yeah, it was extremely cinematic looking. There's no way the Hawkeye team filmed this. Yeah, yeah, it was but fucking it was great. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um, and so I think we're back in in present time. Uh, Kate Bishop uh, basically returns to her mom's house, Eleanor, and tells her 
that uh, Jack Duquesne Shell Company um, uh, is basically running the uh, tracksuit mafia. Um, and so Eleanor supposedly calls the NYPD and has him arrested. Um, and he's like really blase about it. He's like, he's like, the only person I ever knew called Sloan was like one of my ex-girlfriends. He's like, yeah. someone clearly framed me. Um, and he's like, don't worry, my darling, we'll get this all sorted out. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead. I know it's not confirmed confirmed, but I'm going to go ahead and take my victory lap and say 1 billion percent Jack Duquesne's a good guy and uh Kate's mom is the bad guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> She's just using him as the fall guy. Yep. Um and so Kate Bishop returns to her own apartment which is like burned to crisps. Um and she finds Yelena waiting for her. Um and there's this great, great scene of these two talking, and it just makes me want them to be best friends so badly. Um, I think Florence Pugh, this, I don't know how she does such a good job with that accent. <laughs> yeah. It is so good. And she keeps calling her, she, she doesn't just say Kate, she always says Kate Bishop. Um, and she made macaroni and cheese while she was waiting. Um, just all this silly shit. Apparently, Kate only has one fork because she's one person, uh, which is fucked up. <laughs> that is insane. Um, yeah, but basically, uh, Yelena tells her that she's coming to kill Clint, and and they kind of had this conversation about you know Kate doesn't think that Clint's killed Natasha, and she's like, well, how long have you known him? And she's like, well, like five days. Um, but Kate leaves her with one thing. He's like. Maybe you should look into who hired you to kill someone that's good. He may not be perfect, but he's a good person. Um, and then that's kind of where they they leave off. But I, I thought this conversation between the two of them was so good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really liked it, too. I feel like it's uh, clearly foreshadowing their future friendship as the new Hawkeye and Black Widow. Um, I I actually laughed out loud when... Uh, Yelena, I think she just was like, hi. <laughs> she oh, just yeah. Like said yeah. hi in just like the funniest way. <laughs> Dude, she talks so funny. Like just the way <laughs> she speaks is hilarious. And Florence Pugh just nails it. I don't know how you do an accent that well. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Um, hi. <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. And I also thought it was. uh I liked that it showed Yelena's uh, kind of like interrogation skill, I guess. Yeah. Um, very reminiscent of Nat and also even Clint earlier in this season. But she's just like clearly super good at that. And also I like like the little bit of intimidation. I like that mm -hmm. as well. Um, yeah, just great. She's like, if I wanted you dead, I would have killed you. She's like, yes, right as you're opening door. Right as you're opening door. <laughs> yeah, super, super good. I don't know. I just love, I love both of these new characters. They're both so fucking good. I can't wait to see more of them. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Completely agree. Um, So Clint is staying at Grills' apartment, the guy he met LARPing. Um, but uh, as he was kind of walking there, he goes and, and he visits 
kind of the monument in New York City that is commemorating the Avengers and the battle at New York. And there's this very touching scene where he takes out his um, hearing aid and he has a conversation with Natasha, um, kind of like on his own. And he, he basically is just like, you know, he misses her, he loves her, whatever. And he then says at the end, I apologize for what I'm about to do. Um, which is basically he's becoming the Ronin again yeah. to confront Maya Lopez at the auto shop where he killed her father. Um, and the way he gets the way he gets her to show up is those two stupid bros from the tracksuit mafia are just driving in their truck and he shoots an arrow through their windshield that almost hits the guy right between the eyes. Only the arrow has like a little compartment for a, a note <laughs> and it says like, it's to Maya and it tells her to meet like where, where they had last seen each other. And the guy in the car is like, but we are not Maya. <laughs> it's very stupid. Very stupid. Uh, but I loved, I loved how he delivered the message. There. I thought it was good. Yes. Um, so he takes his Ronin suit and he, he kind of shows up to confront uh, Maya at fat man auto repair. Um, and at, before he even confronts her, I always forget that she's deaf in uh, the beginning of a scene because he just like starts wiping out all these dudes. He wipes out Kazi, who has a sniper rifle, yep. and then just starts taking out all of these tracksuit mafia guys who are just surrounding all these used cars, uh, you know, backing up Maya. And I'm like, how is she not hearing it? And then I'm like, oh, wait, she's deaf. Um, <laughs> but I thought the scene was pretty cool. He basically he fights all of them and then the two of them start fighting each other. Uh, Maya and Ronan and eventually he unmasks himself and he kind of tries to get her to like you know stop fighting him by he's like we're the same people he's like we're weapons but like when when our judgment is clouded with like rage you know we do stupid things and but then he tells her that he killed her dad because he got like a a tip from her boss, like an informant with her boss, which seems to make her like second guess a lot of things. She's like, no, there's no way. And he's like, yeah, your boss wanted your dad dead, Um, which I think this is like the the first turning point, which will get her to not be, you know, a bad guy, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot she has like a whole show coming up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Man. Kind of, kind of helps you figure out where this is probably going to end. Yeah. But, um. Basically, after the fight is done, you know, uh, Kate ends up saving Clint because uh, Maya fights back at the very end. She knocks his sword down, but then Kate hits her uh, with an arrow, and basically saves Clint by, uh, you know, helping him out and tracking him down eventually. Um, but right following this fight, she goes and talks to Kazi, who's like her right man, her right hand man. And she's like, why weren't you at the auto shop that night? Like at the meeting, Um, you were in town. Like, why weren't you there? Because she's essentially suspecting him of being part of her dad's death. And he's like, oh, I just didn't get the call. And she just is calling bullshit. You can just tell. Yeah. Um, And so there's mistrust between her and Kazi. She's very conflicted. She ends up leaving. And then that's the end of Maya, I think, for for this episode. the next day, Kate Bishop gets a text from Yelena 
and it basically says, hey, like, I looked into who hired me for killing Clint Barton. It's this lady, Eleanor Bishop, her mom. And you see a picture at the very end of this episode of Eleanor meeting with Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, yeah. Kingpin is back, baby. And he looks just like he did in the show, by the way. Yeah, he's not uh, artificially enormous. (laughs) There's a lot of people saying he was like wearing like a fat suit and all these things. Yeah. I I didn't get that for the picture. No way. No way. He just looks normal. Talk about, man, just like the episode ends at that point. You just get this like grainy shot of Kingpin and then the episode ends. And I was like, fuck, give me some more. Yeah. Yeah. I am uh, pretty stoked for next week. I hope they stick the landing. Yeah, I do, too. I I very much enjoyed this episode. I thought there was a lot of good scenes. I loved I love the opening with uh, Yelena and the other Black Widow, the the blip. I loved the conversation between Yelena and Kate. I thought that was good. Um, I liked kind of seeing the the turn of Maya at the end there with with Clint, you know, donning Ronin suit again and, and, you know, basically saying like, hey, your your people killed your dad. It wasn't me um, that, you know, kind of led all this stuff, even though he did kill him. But (laughs) whatevs, whatevs. Um, Just look past that. I just thought overall it was very, very good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I like this one a lot. I I do feel like, though, that, like, not a lot happened. Like, I feel like, uh, I mean, I like that they took the time to give us, the like, the character moment with Yelena uh, and Kate. But I don't know. I, I just feel like not a lot happened in this episode. Am I alone there? Um, yeah. I mean, like in terms of action, I guess I could, I could see where you're coming from for sure. Uh, I feel like this episode, it really, it was just like to the rest of everyone else. It's introducing Yelena in more context. It's introducing the relationship of Yelena and Kate. And it's really beginning the transition of Maya as a bad person to like a conflicted person that may be turning good. And so I feel like it's a lot of like transition and setup for people. Yeah. Um, but that being said for me personally, I thought it was very satisfying. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see where it's like not many, not too much happened that had resolution mm-hmm. here. Um, which, which I think definitely is valid. So. Yeah. But I mean, I still was a, uh, was a big fan. The show's fucking great. Yeah. Do you want, do we want to write this now? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I'm done. Right. Let's, I'm giving this episode out of, out of six whole infinity stones, as we do on the infinity watch podcast, mm-hmm. six infinity stones. All right. Um, uh, I, I really enjoyed I this one. Um, I think we've done what we've done three fives and one six so far both of us yes yes and so this will be my second six um i really enjoyed this there's just a lot of elements that were great i thought the opening scene was really good the relationship of kate and yelena was great the the reveal of kingpin was super exciting i wanted more uh this episode just like flew by for me um and so yeah I, i really loved it yeah i love it um yeah, I mean, I feel I feel the same. I probably would just would just give it a five, though. Um, obviously, I, I I really liked it. There's just something about it. It's just like 
The the other episode I gave a six. It was more like comfort view. Like I could watch that episode. I feel over and over and and enjoy it. This one I watched it once and I was like, yeah, I get it. Cause like, but I think what you said just a few minutes ago made a lot of made a lot of sense. It's like I've seen the Black Widow movie. I I understand who Yelena is. I didn't necessarily need that scene up top. That felt it was great it was cool to see but it just felt totally disconnected it was just a like i said a deleted scene from black widow seemed like that blip though man oh man that was cool yeah no you're right you're right you're right the the blip was cool but again it wasn't anything like it was a different perspective on it but we also have already seen that very recently um i would have been totally fine without yelena being in this show yeah, agreed. I mean, I'm glad she is, but I I, I agree. I, I don't think it it needs her, but but I think she's a fun addition. Yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, like, I guess my concern with this with this show is that like you would it would start taking away from the story. But I think they're also really trying to do what you were saying earlier, which is make them the new Black Widow yeah. Hawkeye partnership. Yeah, which that part I really like. But yeah, I I think. I'm definitely hearing you in that like the beginning was very Black Widow-y and less Hawkeye and Hawkeye is definitely better than Black Widow. Oh my god. I just had I just had a bolt of lightning strike through my heart. Uh-oh. I'm going to give you I'm going to give everyone listening some guaranteed 100%. We're going to find this out next week that at the Uh-oh. end of at the end of uh, the Hawkeye finale, that episode is going to end saying um, Kate, Kate Bishop and, and Yelena will return in the new new Disney Plus series, Hawkeye and Black Widow. And it's going to wow. be starring them. Damn. Because I was just thinking, like, what a, what is Yelena doing after this show? Nothing that we know about as an audience. Yeah, and they're been clearly that setting has... that. Yeah, that or will it just be like Young Avengers? Maybe, but I, they I don't know. I just get a that. sense. I just get a sense. This episode was backdoor pilot episode, and it's backdoor pilot for Echo and backdoor pilot for Hawkeye and Black Widow, starring uh, those two. Dude, what a fucking time we're living in. Yeah, I think you're right. I feel I, I right really sure. feel like I could be right on that one. That would be pretty sweet. I'm all for it. Bring it on. Bring it yeah, on. Yeah, she needs to be in something. Yeah. She's like a big actress. Yeah. So. All right, we got a 6 and a 5. That's pretty fucking good. Hell yeah. Um let's move over to Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm. AKA how our Lord and Savior Kevin Feige saved the MCU from Venom, dude! Oh my God, <laughs> dude! I was laughing so hard, I almost cried tears of joy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Let's okay. Here, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about the first after credit scene, and then then we'll go kind of chronologically. Um, but in between those two things, I want to tell you the crazy story of us going to see this movie. But okay. let's just get this first after credit scene out of the way. Okay. Because the entire time I'm like, oh man, is Venom gonna show up in this movie? <laughs> like I, I don't like Tom Hardy Venom. I don't like Sony Venom. Um, I feel like it, it could only bring it down. Yeah. 
And so uh, when the movie didn't have Venom in it, I was so satisfied uh, for many reasons, but that being one of them. And then I'm like, okay, like I forgot about it. You know, I forgot about Venom. I wasn't thinking about it the whole time. And then I was like, oh my God, like the first credit scene is Venom. Like, are you serious? Like why? (laughs) And then like, talk about an entire scene that is just like used to basically just put Venom back in its place. Yeah. Like, what was the point of all of that? I feel like Kevin Feige just, like, agreed to something and then, like, was like, listen, <laughs> I agreed to this, but I'm just going to fuck them over. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I was it you I texted? And I I definitely saw this on Reddit, but somebody said, like, they, they Ralph Bonered Venom. Yeah, yeah. You said that to me. You said that to me. Which is perfect. Yes. Okay. In, this, in this case, I love it. Because basically all the scene is, is him in like Hawaii or something, some like tropical area, like drinking at a bar. Yep. And then apparently he somehow, I don't know how this makes any sense. Apparently he somehow was one of the people that knew Spider-Man. So he was transported to this universe, but he's just at a bar doing nothing. And then once the spell gets reversed, he just gets sent right back. And that's it. Well... It's not quite it. I mean, he gets sent right back, and then the camera lingers on right. the tiniest little piece of symbiote symbiote that has been left behind, meaning that we will get a Venom in the MCU, but it's not going to be that Venom. And nothing makes me fucking happier than that. Yeah, dude, talk about just, like, turning the shittiest ingredients into the most delicious cake possible. Dude, I could not I uh, truly I was stunned. I was like they just fixed it. Like they just fixed easily my biggest problem <laughs> with like the Sony Marvel thing. And it's yeah. like as far as now they might unfix it again. I I'd be shocked if they don't get Tom Holland Spider-Man in a movie with Tom Hardy Venom, but as long as it doesn't sully what's going on in the MCU, whatever. I'm fine. I can live with it. Oh, yeah. Dude, I was I was just so satisfied with how they managed to make that work. Yeah, I, I, I was stunned. I really was stunned. I was so happy. Oh, my gosh. All right. So before we jump into the plot of Spider-Man No Way Home, I want to tell you a story about our Thursday night. All right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, was at a comedy show with my fiance Mia. We went to go see Trey Kennedy, and this was this is all like in our in our city that we live in. We live like in a downtown area, and so we went to a comedy show, and it was the ticket was six o'clock for the comedy show, and the next day he had a show at six o'clock and nine o'clock. So I was like, okay, he'll probably like get on by like seven, and then be done at like eight. And we had tickets to go see in the same city, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home at 835. So in my head, I was like, by nine o'clock, the show will start after all the trailers because there's always like 25, 30 minutes of trailers, which is ridiculous. Um, yes, agreed. So the comedy show starts. We par- we parked in a parking structure, walk over to the comedy show. The comedy show starts at 715. And then I realized that there's two openers and then the comedian. Um, and so the show goes on, show goes on the main guy, Trey Kennedy, which the whole comedy show was great. It was really fun. Um, the comedy show ends like ends, ends at eight forty five, 
10 minutes after our supposed no way home showing. <laughs> and so this is, this is how I know, you know, Mia, Mia has the love of my life because we, we get up from our, our chairs and start running. We run from this, from this theater that the comedy show was at up three flights of stairs to our car in a parking structure in which we immediately start taking our clothes off and putting on Spider-Man costumes. <laughs> Oh my god. Which we had had sitting in the car. We we get the Spider-Man costumes on, run down three flights of stairs, and then run all the way over to the movie theater, which is like five blocks away. <laughs> um while we're running, we basically saved some dude's life because there was this busy intersection and this dude is just like staring at his phone and he just starts walking to the street as like a car is turning left about to just hit him. Classic. And we're like, dude, 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 stop. Like, he's like, wait, what? And he's like, oh, thanks. I literally said, no problem. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Because we got Spider-Man costumes on. <laughs> Everyone is like, yo, look at Spider-Man. Everyone's seeing us because we're both dressed as Spider-Man. Dude, that is so good. Oh, that's so good. I would have I would have for sure let that guy get hit and laughed. Oh my god! Because then I have to talk to the police and then miss the show. You don't have to more. talk. What are you That's talking about? Saying. You get, you don't have to talk to anybody. Just keep going oh to the god. show. Okay, so we literally run into the movie theater. Right? It is now like basically like nine oh five. We had eight thirty five uh, showtime tickets, <sighs> but we both need to go to the bathroom. We've been we've been like you know. We we had a beer, you know, we're at a comedy show for a couple hours, got to go to the bathroom. But we're both wearing Spider-Man suits that zip up from behind. And oh so we're like, okay, we both go run into the bathroom and then meet each other back up so we can zip each other back up. Um, so we go to the bathroom, zip each other back up, walk into the theater. We miss like the first five minutes or so of this movie. So I was like, oh, it won't be a big deal. Like they released like that first, first minute online. <laughs> We'd already seen it. So I was like... We got in, and the first scene we see is MJ and uh, Peter laying on top of that roof. So in my head, I'm like, we didn't miss anything. Yeah. yeah but somehow the biggest Daredevil fan misses the Daredevil cameo <laughs> in this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. So you said you were going to go see it again. Did you do that? I have not done it yet. Okay. But I, Did you I watch the scene online at all? No, I need to find it. All right. I'm so pro tip, every scene in this movie is just straight up on YouTube. Um, Are you serious? Literally everyone in the world is posting cams of this movie on YouTube. All right. Um, let's see. But it's a uh it. it's uh it's a great scene. Basically, they are just talking about uh his options. Matt Matt Murdock is like so great news. I don't think any of the charges against you are going to stick. Um, but then he goes, but unfortunately, uh, I think happy Hogan might be fucked. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's what he says. No, no, no. He doesn't say, he doesn't say fucked, but he's, uh, but he's, but he's like, yeah, unfortunately I think, uh, happy's going to have some trouble here. And he like lists off, uh, I forget exactly why, but it's basically like Happy's going to get fucked over. But Peter legally, um, will be fine. And then Matt Murdock says, but like, you'll be fine legally, but like, there's more to it. It's like, you're going to have to deal with the court of public opinion. So be careful. And then you hear people like yelling outside of their apartment. And then a brick flies through the window and Matt 
it, and it's f- like coming from behind Matt, and Matt just sticks out his arm and like grabs the brick before it hits Tom Holland. And um, oh my god, I found it! Yes, <laughs> there we. I'm watching it right now, dude. It's Charlie Cox. Yeah. Whoa! He just grabs a. <laughs> he just grabs that brick, <laughs> and then they go, "How'd you do that?" And he just goes, "I'm a really good lawyer," <laughs> which I love. Oh my gosh! And the brick says, "We believe <laughs> yep, Mysterio." We, yep, it. we believe Mysterio. Because that's the thing. Mysterio told everybody that Spider Man's like a murderer and a psycho. Dude, Charlie Cox is just back, baby. <laughs> yeah, super. I'm just good. a really good lawyer. I can't. Bl- okay, this is a, a minor tangent. But man, like normal content creators, like get copyright claims that are bullshit all the time. Yeah. But YouTube can't stop scenes from a movie that got released in theaters like a day ago it's from being uploaded. Insane. You can find any scene from this movie on YouTube currently. Dude, that's wild. It's nuts. Absolutely wild. It's nuts. And, and I know because I've been watching a bunch of them over again. <laughs> well, dude, I'm so glad that just like me, me searching in the last two minutes, I was able to watch this scene yeah. while we're on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Fuck gosh. yeah. So that was the biggest thing you missed really. Oh, other than in the very first scene of the movie, this this did make me laugh. When um Spider-Man gets outed, he immediately shows his concern for MJ, which I thought was nice. Um and because he like knew she was about to get mobbed basically. So he jumps down and basically uh grabs her and and webs her away from the from the mob that is already starting to form around her. But as he's swinging away, you just hear some woman go, Spider-Man just assaulted me. Oh my God. (laughs) Which, which maybe, or some, I don't know if she said that, but it was like, it was that. Um, And that made, that actually immediately made me laugh, like right off the bat from that movie. I was like, that is super fucking good. Cause that is 100% what would happen. Dude, this is totally random, but I just read that uh, Jacob Batalon lost 102 pounds for this for this movie. That's crazy. What? His best friend Ned? No, he wasn't that big. That's crazy if that's true. Cuz he still was like It says in 2020 Batalon lost 102 pounds. Oh my god. That's according to uh, how comic book resources. It's I think he tweeted something about it. Wow, I guess I never realized that that actor got like so much big. I mean, I'm not trying to show throw shade, but like he was still a pretty big dude in this movie. Yeah, I guess uh, according to a post featuring a before and after photo from the actor on Instagram, he lost exactly 102 pounds for the upcoming film. Wow, I mean, good for him. That's good for great. Him. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy, dude. That takes a lot of work. Yeah, that's fucking great. That's nuts. You're gonna, you're gonna need a good lawyer. Sorry, I'm just. That's. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, so it's, excited it's so great for, that he's uh, back. I can't wait to hear like what he's gonna show up in. Dude, what's crazy to me is just in one week we got Daredevil and Kingpin back in the MCU. In the MCU for the first time, not yeah. back. We got yeah. them for the first time in one week. Nuts. And neither, oh and, and it's not in a Daredevil property. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it doesn't, I don't think we have any Daredevil property. Uh, Even announced. Yeah, I think we'll we'll see, obviously, Kingpin again tomorrow. Yep. Uh, or not tomorrow, next week. Um, we will see 
maybe Kingpin in in uh, Echo, which I would expect to see Daredevil in Echo as well. And we'll see Daredevil in She-Hulk, supposedly. Oh, yeah, that'll be sick. Nice. So I, I, I would 100% expect Daredevil to show up in Echo. It just seems right. She she first appeared in a Daredevil comic herself. So ah uh, yeah, then um, that yeah that is probably what they'll do. So who knows? I don't know. And I would expect then Kingpin to continue his storyline there as well. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, we'll see. All right. So Quentin Beck frames Peter Parker for his murder, identifies him as Spider Man. Um, we kind of went through the whole Department of Damage Control thing. P- uh, Peter's lawyer, Matt Burdock, gets the charges dropped. Um, and so basically, uh, Peter, MJ, and Ned are all applying to colleges. Um, and they want to go to MIT. Which I do find the one the one part of this story that I'm I'm kind of like I find interesting is just how after he's kind of framed, everyone just immediately jumps against him. Uh, jumps. I don't know if that's the right word, uh, but uh, it just seems like the framing works really well. Um, which maybe it is kind of realistic that everyone would just not believe him. But um, that part of it, that like you know, all of their college applications get rejected. Uh, that did seem a little extreme to me, but I can kind of see it at the same time. I don't know if you had the same thoughts or or anything similar to that, Eric. Yeah, I I mean I totally bought it. I feel like uh <laughs> what would happen during this uh if if that were to happen in like real life 2021 basically one political party is going to decide if he's a good side the a uh, good guy another one's going to decide if he's a bad guy and um <laughs> depending on which political party you affiliate with you will believe that 100% no matter what so that's uh because it it did I mean, there were scenes later, like obviously before he had been cleared of anything where people were supporting him, like they believed he was a hero. Right. Um, So he did have supporters still, like not everybody believed Mysterio, but I fully believe it would be split right down the middle. I think 50-50, you either straight up think Spider-Man is a literal murderer vigilante who needs to be stopped, or you're like... Nah, it's like it's a little more to it than that. He's he's kind of a hero. He like saves a lot of people. Um, which reminds me, I cannot uh, forget to talk about a line Jamie Foxx has later, which made me laugh a lot. Oh, yep, I, yeah. think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, so um, I think uh, there Peter is sitting in. We've seen this in the trailers. He's sitting in like the diner MJ works at, and then he kind of sees the Halloween decorations up. And he sees kind of like the lit up little wizard that just looks just like Doctor Strange. Um, and so that <laughs> yeah. gives him the idea to go visit the Sanctum Santorum. And he basically asks Stephen for help. Um, and we find out that Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme, which I think is very big yeah. information. A lot of people are not talking about. Yeah, that shocked me, too. <laughs> and it explains why he's like not really around because he's actually going around doing Sorcerer Supreme shit. Yeah, so what is it like? Uh, St- uh, Stephen Strange was blipped. Yep. And so Wong became the Sorcerer Supreme. And just <laughs> he said out Dr. a technicality. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Strange, just because he comes back, doesn't mean he gets it. So um, it also kind of explains we see Wong in a lot of after credit scenes and, and connective tissue. So yeah. Um, explains that a bit too. So I thought that was really interesting. I kind of love it. 
Yeah, I like it too. It kind of frees up uh, Steven to do some more fun stuff too, I think. Yeah. Um, though I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it back in his next movie. Yeah, it could um, be. But yeah, he basically asked Strange for a spell that would make people forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Uh, but while he's casting the spell in like this ugly ass basement of, uh, you know, what did he say? He said that the Sanctum Sanctorum was like built on top of like, I don't know, like the Nexus. It's not a Nexus, but like some like, you know, energy filled spot. And so like these, it's like basically ruins underneath the, uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah. Um, and so while he's doing the spell, Peter keeps asking for alterations allow mj ned and then may and then maybe happy to retain their memories um but the interruptions basically corrupt the spell but at the very end dr strange is able to contain it and he has peter leave and then he gets upset because he's like he finds out that peter never even tried to call and like you know get his (laughs) rejection changed at all or appeal it he's like you didn't even try to call you just first came to me you know he's super pissed um and so we immediately go to like the scene everyone's seen in the trailers, which is basically this highway, because uh, Peter finds out that an MIT administrator is on on her way to the airport, and he wants to convince her to accept MJ and Ned's applications because he doesn't want to be responsible for them being denied, right? Um, and this is when we first see Otto Octavius, yeah, um, and this this huge scene with the two of them fighting, which I thought was really good. Yeah, agreed. So this is um, part of the scene they released uh, officially. And this is the one I I mentioned last week where I feel like it's just like uh, it's like perfect Spider-Man fighting. (laughs) Like that's what Spider-Man action should be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I really felt the power of Otto Octavius's um, his arms, too. It just like they're just like ripping through shit like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. and eventually, you know, like Peter's really struggling with with this fight, but then the nanotech kind of binds itself with the arms and and Otto's like, wow, nanotech, like you've really like outdone yourself. But then the moment it, it bonds with his arms, Peter's able to control the nanotech mm-hmm. and he basically shuts down uh, Otto Octavius completely. His what <laughs> I don't I forget the name of his AI, but it's it was something like uh he got an alert. It was like new device pairing or something. Yeah, it, like it felt that. like you were in a car and yeah. you're hooking up Bluetooth. Which <laughs> yeah, was that, amazing. That made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, and then he used the he used Otto's arms to save uh the recruiter who was like falling off of the her car was falling off of the bridge at this point. Which right. uh which I thought was was funny. Well yeah, and then once he saves her, she gets out and she's like you get over here right now. I can't believe like she like starts like going to like <laughs> yell at yeah. him, which is amazing. Just absolutely yeah. amazing. But then, but she, she also said, well, she, yelling at him being Otto, right? Right. Yeah. Then, Dr. Uh, Octopus. Yeah. Doesn't she say something like, oh, you're a hero. Yeah. She's like, like yeah, like I'm going to go talk like to the review board yeah. and, and see what we can do. Basically. Yeah. Um, which is so funny. You have to be, but that is absolutely typical it's like you have to be personally affected by something to realize you have to be personally saved by spider-man to realize oh maybe maybe you are a hero yeah that is (laughs) totally 2021 yeah ignore all the other thousands of people he's clearly obviously saved yep 100 (laughs) 100 um 
so I think at this point, Green Goblin appears, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But I can't remember how the scene is resolved. I, th- I feel like we see the Goblin bomb blow up. But then... But the, I think I think uh, Strange like teleports them into the dungeon with Otto. Right, right. Okay, point. yeah, yeah. Otto Octavius is in like the, one of the holding cells in the Sanctum Santorum. Yeah. And Kirk it's... Connors is already there, right? Mm, At that yes. point, yeah, yeah. yeah the lizard so. is there. I think which... so. But but yeah. I think it's notable that is that when the when the goblin starts coming down, Otto immediately recognizes him. He's like Norman. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, and then I think and then I think uh, yeah, Doctor Strange pulls them all into the dungeon. Yep, Connors is already there. That CGI is still terrible. I don't think there's any making it that great. I just hate the design. <laughs> I don't everything. think it's that bad. I think it's fine. I mean, oh, it doesn't man. look like the lizard, but for what it is, I feel like it's fine. Yeah, they did what they could. Yeah. Um. So Doctor Strange basically explains to Peter that he did a spell that summoned people from other parts of the multiverse uh, who know Spider-Man's identity. That was the result of the spell that they did. Um. And he basically orders Peter Parker, MJ, and Ned to capture the remaining people. Um, and I'm so glad he doesn't say Scooby-Doo that crap. He says Scooby-Doo that shit. Um, yeah, I still hated it, but it was slightly better. I felt like the line worked a lot better in the movie than it did in all of the trailers, yeah. which was really abhorrent. Um, and so uh, let's see. Peter Parker then captures both uh, Max Dillon and Flint Marco. So um, Sandman and Electro. So like there's like that cool fight in the middle of New York, like kind of where I don't know. They're like in the middle of a forest and there's a bunch of power lines around. And wait, uh, wait, Flint real- Marco helps Spider-Man capture Electro by like surrounding him in like a tornado of sand. Yes. Uh, um, but before. So bef- right before the scene, did you there's like a shot of Spider-Man swinging across like just power lines. Uh-huh. And I thought it was fucking beautiful. Like did you did that like stand out to you at all that one shot of him just it was almost like a silhouette of him just like swinging in like this this field like down power lines. I was like, "Oh, that's so interesting." Like you just don't really see Spider-Man in that in uh, that setting. Yeah. Kind of Yeah, I remember seeing that and be like, "Oh, wow, like I, I guess like you'd have to be yeah. swinging on something like that to get kind of out of the city or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I'll have to look for that again. I don't remember like seeing it being like, wow, that's beautiful. But it probably is. I just remember that scene. I was still at this point, like, like still trying to catch my breath from running halfway yeah, across the city. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, but I do remember being like, wow, like that's like a different setting for seeing Spider-Man. In, yeah. For sure, uh, which is a little bit different. Um, and so, so now we have four of them downstairs, or three of them downstairs. You have Electro, Oh, no, four of them. Electro, Sandman, who is kind of helping out. Um, you have Otto Octavius, and you have the Lizard. So four of them are downstairs. Oh, also, um, at this point, Spidey's wearing his inside-out suit because it has some kind of green shit on it. Yeah, it so, basically got dirty, and he couldn't clean it, so it's just turned yeah. inside out, which is an interesting way to yeah. do it. And he has the weapon that Doctor Strange gave him, which is just like an insta-teleporter. Yeah, just like once you shoot people with this like laser beam thing, there's this energy beam thing that it teleports them into one of the uh, basement cells that are yeah. underneath the Sanctum Santorum. Um, and so May calls Peter and is like, hey, one of them is here. And we find out that Norman Osborn has kind of 
claimed control over himself from his split personality of Green Goblin. And he goes to the feast building and he's just kind of, he's looking for help. He doesn't know what's going on. He's super confused. And so he went there because he had seen Spider-Man, I think like what, advertised as being yeah, there before? He's, yeah, he's like on the on the sign or something. Right. And so I loved uh, like everything with Green Goblin in this movie was so good. Dude, so I felt like, did you feel like this movie had six villains, but I felt like the main villain was clearly Green Goblin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I And I feel like that was kind of a, a little bit of a surprise. I didn't know that it was going to be like that, but he is like definitely the guy. Um, I mean, from the first trailer, they definitely tried to make it seem like Otto was going to be. Yep. But yep. Otto, as we find out later on, ends up kind of being an ally for most of it. Yeah. Which is great. But I, I, I thought that they handled Norman Osborn better in this than they did in the first Spider-Man movie. Oh, my God. He like... And I think Willem Dafoe acted him better in this than he, even than he did in the. Uh, I just felt like it was so. It's like it had elements of like the Joker, but it wasn't an impression. Right. Like it was clearly distinct, which I think is. Uh, I mean, clearly just madness. I just felt like his performance was so good, even in this first scene that we're talking about. It's like he he felt. I felt the mental like, illness side of it a lot more. I felt yeah. like the multiple personality, uh, like the struggle between the Green Goblin and Norman Osborn, it felt yeah. more realistic in this one. And I felt like the struggle between the two of them, which was great. Yeah. Um. And so let's see. Um, let's see. At this point, he. So they bring him back. He brings him the, back. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't, I think they make the huge mistake of not immediately putting him into a cell because he is, uh, they do pretty quickly, but I, I was scared when he walked in there Yeah, and he was not in a cell. Well, and he's like, he's coming to Peter for help. And so I think just yeah. like Flint Marco too, it's like, they're like, Peter, help us. But then like they get put into these cells. Yeah. Um, and so Dr. Strange uh, you know, there's a conflict in Peter here because May is like, you can help these people, but Doctor Strange is preparing a spell that will basically send them back to their respective universes and the fates that they would have there, which in almost all the cases is them dying. In a fight with Spider-Man right. as well. <laughs> and so Peter so, is like, hey, why don't we just like cure all their problems and like the, what their powers are doing to them first so that when they return to their respective universes, they don't die at the hands of another Spider-Man. Yeah, okay, so regarding this point, I thought it was super interesting that they specifically called out the fact that the MCU has advanced technology. I thought th I thought that was, uh, that was crazy. Like, t uh, Peter said, uh, Tom Holland said... I think I think he's just like we had like he said the words like we have superior technology here so we can like easily cure these guys. And I thought that was uh, I thought that was crazy that they just addressed it. So like there's no pretense that like the MCU is like the real world anymore if there ever really was. But yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Um... But I, I, I just I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that they're like even within that world, they understand that that they have like insane 
<laughs> is that not <laughs> Peter's like reaction to like realizing like oh like they have nanotech and like they were shocked by that and it just I don't know that that's kind of what I took there is that like um you know they have nanotech and a lot of other technology and and all the other villains were like kind of surprised by like you have like a wizard like there's magic here yeah yeah like, the avengers don't exist on these other worlds these type of things um yeah. and so yeah it, it is super interesting i just thought specifically the the technology aspect of it because i mean even in a world where you can build robotic arms that talk to your brain right you like even in even beyond that world tom holland is like oh yeah we we can easily fix these guys like do you see do you fucking see the technology that we have here yeah absolutely (laughs) and i and i think like this this whole debate you know it's one of those things where you can you can say like hey like this is like the multiverse there's million there's a million fates where these people die like we shouldn't, you yeah, know, be yeah. so focused on them. But then you have kind of the more like ethical, like humanitarian side of it too. And so it's a, it's an interesting conundrum that I thought it, that they they were kind of arguing. But that yeah, being said, sure. it leads to probably one of the trippiest scenes in all of the MCU, which is Peter stealing the box spell from Doctor Strange. And then them, them yes, eventually fighting fucking fight. for like 15 minutes in the mirror dimension in just like an acid trip of a scene. Yeah, in incredible. Also, but before we move on, we have to address the fact that Willem Dafoe did drop the classic line. Oh, I'm something of a scientist myself. Oh, dude, that was such a good callback. <laughs> it was so good. I fucking loved it. They hit they hit all the fucking memes in this movie, which yeah. I love. Oh, they sure did. They sure did. Um there's now like a daily account on like Twitter and Instagram uh of just Willem Dafoe just like screaming like, Don't you know what I sacrificed? <laughs> and I watch it every day now. Oh man, it's so oh, good. Oh my god. He is he Dude, is such so a good, good actor. Yeah. Such a good actor. Um and so okay, so Crazy yes, acid trip of a scene. Doctor Strange. Before, before the, the acid trip starts, I feel like is the sickest. And we saw it in trailers, but I just feel like the him using the portals to make Spider-Man web himself oh, yep. is the yep. craziest move. That's the craziest move. That's so sick to me. Well, there was that. And then what, what immediately followed it, which was um, Doctor Strange. What is it called? When he, when he takes like his body. And oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. He uh, like astral projects. Him. Yes, his astral projection leaves his body, and so you see Spider Man, and then Peter leaves the Spider Man body, and and so Strange thinks normally he would just be able to grab like yeah. the item from him, but even Spider Man's astral projection is faster than Doctor Strange, and he's not able to get it back. Yeah, well, it's like his body was moving on its own. That's right. what I took from it. The spider sense was like kicking in and his body was protect. He was fucking for the Dragon Ball fans out there. Peter Parker has ultra instinct. Right. Is what that is. And then he's able to like <laughs> Peter's able to swim back towards his Spider-Man astral yeah. projection and rejoin his body. Insane. I loved his reaction to he was like, that was one of the coolest experiences of my entire life. Don't ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and then this tips off the whole mirror dimension yes, fight. Yes. Which I think to me is was the trippiest sequence we've seen in the MCU 
maybe following some of the sequences that Mysterio had, which which were very wild too. But but this mirror dimension and this demonstration of Strange's power and and kind of all the craziness of magic to me was the most impressive so far. Just from like a logistical standpoint, I don't know how they filmed this. I don't know how they designed this because it was fucking crazy. Do you, was this movie, do you think, and I'll say, I think it is, but do you, do you agree that this movie is the best usage of Dr. Strange's powers, Dr. Strange's powers to date? hundred percent. I think it, I I think like... it would be this movie followed by infinity war. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, I think I said something to me after the movie, I'm like, this is why I wasn't a huge fan of the first Doctor Strange movie is because there was so much explanation going on yeah. and there wasn't enough visual and stuff like that. Like Doctor Strange's magic doesn't need rules. It just yes. needs to be fucking Agreed. like acid trip crazy. Yeah. And I think Infinity War did that really well. That was the best time I had seen it when that movie came out. But then this movie, I was like, that's fucking Doctor Strange right there. That's what a Doctor yeah. Strange comic reads like because it's just like yeah. fucking wild. And it's just fun, and it's an acid trip, and it's crazy. And that's what this was, and I loved it. I thought it was 10 out of 10 perfect scene. Yeah, I agree. I, I, should, I need to look this one up on, uh, on YouTube again because I don't uh, – I mean, I remember loving it, but I don't – I can't recall, like, the details um, other than what we've seen in the trailers, which is annoying me. It's, like, corrupting my memory of the scene. I think I was but, uh, I was just impressed by this scene from so many different perspectives because, like, for me, I'm like, how did, like, from a filmmaking perspective, how did you do that? Like, it's yeah. just, like, it's very technically impressive. And I feel like they've been getting better and better, just like how, like, in Shang-Chi, like, the fighting scenes have been getting better and better in these action yes, sequences. Yes, You can just tell, like, they just keep pushing the ball forward, and that was what I thought this really did. Yeah, well, I feel like I had this thought um, kind of during the the Portal Web himself scene and also during a scene uh, we see later, and I have the thought of, like, whose job is it to come up with, like, cool power usages (laughs) like is that like the director's job or does the director like what's the coolest way like what's one of the coolest things we could do with this power because i i don't know maybe i'm like being overly impressed by spidey webbing himself trick but i feel like that was so like just unique like that's such like a good idea yeah, like um, who's spitball and like oh well what if we had a scene with x y and z you know yeah it's just very cool very yeah Um, all right. I think next up, um, what do we have? We had Peter taking all the villains to Happy Hogan's apartment. Yeah, he basically strikes a deal with them. He's like, look, like, we have the box. Like, I can send you back and you're going to die, but I want to try to help you. So if you guys can all behave, we're going to go back to, uh, to Happy's house. Where Happy has, speaking of advanced technology, Happy has something called a fabricator, which seems to me like it just creates anything you need. It's like pretty much a magical 3D printer. Very similar creates... to like the suit machine that was in the jet in the last movie. Yeah. Where it just like it's just like a 3D printer on steroids. Yeah. Um and and we see Spider-Man, he's able to put in a new chip uh, inside the arms of Otto Octavius using Stark technology. And he cures Otto. You know, he's no longer controlled by the arms. He's controlling the arms, 
Um, and so that was kind of, you know, check one out of five um, of of curing uh, one of the villains. Um, during this scene, Electro, he sees his first arc reactor and we kind of start getting the seeds of like, man, he doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to be cured. He doesn't want to leave, you know, uh, this universe because he has all this power and he really likes how uh, who he is in this universe. Um, but yeah. one of my favorite scenes from this movie is also here too, where this movie really utilized the Spidey sense. Yeah, I love that they almost made it. I feel it was very realistic in the way that like, obviously the first time it was referred to as the tingle, it was a joke. Right. But then it just became, I could see how if like you were Spider-Man, it's like, look, it's just a tingle. I don't know what else to fucking call. Like, we're just going to call it the tingle because that's what it is. Right. And they just continue to use that to address it throughout the entire movie. I I was actually a big fan of that. Dude, when, okay, so after he uh, cures Otto, his Spidey sense goes off. He's got the tingle. And then like the visualization of it was really cool. Like you just like you hear like the sound and he's just looking around. He's trying to figure out like where's the danger? Where's the danger? Yeah. And it ultimately comes down to Norman's goblin, Green Goblin persona has taken control of yeah. of Norman's body at this point. And just the scene where him realizing oh. what's going on and the tingle happening is so cool. Amazing fucking scene. And basically Green Goblin convinces all the uncured villains to betray Parker. Um, Electro, Sandman, and the Lizard escape, and there's this big fight uh, between the Green Goblin and Spider-Man, and Aunt May is there, he tells her to run, and uh, eventually at the end of this fight, Green Goblin is finally successful in killing Aunt May, who tells Peter the original comic writing version of the famous quote with Which great I power. Which I loved! There must also come great responsibility. Yes, yes. And so, you know, I, I don't want to jump ahead to this this point, but I feel like we kind of have to almost where, you know, this universe is super different. Aunt May is the Uncle Ben of this Spider-Man. Yeah. And basically, you know, a lot of people's complaints about Spider-Man Homecoming is that it's skipping over Spider-Man's origin story, all this. We basically, as this movie is going on, realize that, this trilogy of movies is the Spider-Man's origin story, which is crazy. Yeah, that is certainly, <laughs> certainly what it seems like. And I feel like it's uh, a Spider-Man that is involved in a universe of this scale <coughs> need, needs an origin story of this scale. Yeah. Um, he needs to be acclimated early to all of the insanity to uh, like space and aliens and and just uh, multiverses and shit, um, yeah, I, I I I think that is definitely intentional or not. That's certainly what this trilogy ended up being. Um, but so this scene in particular, uh, first of all, real quick, I loved that Electro. I love that like the energy is different between universes for Electro. First yep. of all, mm-hmm. and. I love that he immediately was like that fucking arc reactor is mine. Like as soon as soon as uh goblin convinced everybody to betray him, he basically just like pulled the arc reactor through the house and just like put it on him. And he's like, all right, we're fucking good to go. Um, so I love that. 
Uh, but then with Aunt May dying, I don't know if there's an actor in Hollywood that can sell a death scene better than Tom Holland. Yeah, he's like, Holy I'm like, fuck. here we go. He's getting another opportunity at <laughs> oh the death scene. I, I cried like four times during this movie. Yeah, I certainly, uh, I certainly teared up. This, how the fuck could you not? Yeah. Oh like, my god, I was not. I did not see this coming, dude. Y- yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just kept thinking, like, I couldn't not think about like Tom Holland is the goat at selling on-screen deaths. Like, literally, who's better? Yeah, I got no one, man. I got <laughs> no one. This shit it was is wild. Crazy. It's it's so crazy. You uh, it's made me cry too many times. Yeah, you uh, you hate to see it. So he. So at this point, he is obviously uh, going through some shit. Yep. He r- basically runs away. He fucks off, mm-hmm. and you, uh, we go back to MJ and Ned, who we haven't really talked about up to this point. But they've been they've been doing their own thing. They've been helping out. They're part of the squad. Um, and also, Ned has a sling ring. We didn't mention that. <laughs> but pre- he has previously in the movie, didn't he say, my grandma says we have some magic in the family. <laughs> yeah, the he's, family. he's like, yeah, I think he phrases something like we have the gift or something. And Doctor Strange is like, okay, kid. <laughs> like his, his reaction is just like, shut up and get away from me, basically. But turns out he fucking does have the gift. Yeah, he's able to kind of make portals with the sling ring. He's yeah. figured it out by kind of waving his hands around. Um, and what, Ned Ned and MJ, basically, they use the sling ring. They're like, show us, like, Peter Parker. They're trying Yeah, because to... they're trying to find him because they know, I think they know Aunt May died at this point, right? Yeah, they were watching and the news and there was one yeah, confirmed yeah. death. Um, and they're basically yeah. like, fuck, like, like, what's going on? So they want to try yeah. and find Peter. Um, and so cue, cue like one of the greatest scenes in this movie Yeah, yeah. is when we, they're like, oh, we found him. And then like, you see a Spider-Man, you know, down an alleyway and the Spider-Man kind of looks over cause they're clearly seeing a portal open up and yep. then, uh, Andrew Garfield comes running through. Yes, he does. My theater went fucking ballistic. Dude. I remember, I remember just audibly saying, I can't believe this is happening. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just yeah. fucking unreal because um, then you get like this scene with Ned and MJ talking with Andrew Garfield and then then Ned's grandma like he's like she had <laughs> yeah. great jokes with his like old Filipino grandma. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I think I think it's a. Uh... Oh, no, no, it's later. It's later. It's later. But like I love but like they make him prove. Well, so first of all, I don't know about you. But my theater, I like missed so much of the dialogue because as soon as he comes through in the suit, my theater went fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Then 15 seconds later, when he took off the mask, my theater went fucking crazy. Yep. <laughs> so. And then shortly after that, a non-costumed Toby Maguire comes through. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody also went crazy. Um, but uh, I love. Well, well, first of all, I, I love what uh, what immediately happened when when Toby Maguire comes through is like him and well, he had also been in this universe for for a couple days. It seems like as Andrew Garfield had, he just said like I've been here for a couple days. I'm looking for this universe's Peter, right? Um, and then, 
looked like Toby had also like he'd been watching the news, so he knew of MJ and Ned. And then he saw Andrew Garfield, and he's like, "You're not there, Peter, though." And then they immediately must again another great Spidey sense thing. Um, they just like immediately not really attacked each other, but I guess they kind of attacked each other. Yeah, they like just, shoot their webs at each other, right? Yeah, just to like feel each other out. Like, are you really, are you another me? <laughs> Dude, it was wild. The whole scene yeah. was wild. I, I still can't believe that this happened. Yeah. Poor Andrew yeah. Garfield doing all those press junkets, trying to deny everything. You know, poor Andrew Garfield, but I will say, I'm curious to see if you'd agree, but I feel like general internet sentiment, I feel like people are almost more on Andrew Garfield's side than Toby's side. 100%. Like, I, I feel like Toby had nothing to prove where Andrew did. Yeah, true. And true, you can true. feel that. True. And I think he did a good job of proving it. He was great. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he had. The thing that made me laugh hardest in the movie was delivered by Andrew Garfield. Uh, and uh, Actually, the, both things. What, the youth pastor clothes? No, no, that, no. Actually, that was another great one, though. Yeah. He had so many great lines. Um, No, it's. Well, we'll we'll get to we'll it. Get we'll there. get there. Okay, we'll okay. Get so. <laughs> Basically, they're like, you know where he would go like to be alone. And MJ was like, okay, he's like on top of that building, right? Um, so yep. MJ and Ned go to comfort Peter and they're like, hey, we have some people here uh, with us. And he's like, what? And then obviously it's the two Spider-Men and they all kind of share stories of losing loved ones and encouraging to fight like in, in Aunt May's honor. Um, and pretty quickly, the three Spider-Men start working on cures uh, for the remaining villains and work on a plan to lure them to the newly improved Statue of Liberty, which uh, is being built with a Captain America shield, uh, which is completely gaudy and ridiculous, but I love it. (laughs) Um, And they have like this whole plan to lure them there. Wait, 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 wait. Let's explore. Do you think if you real life 100% if Captain America led the team that saved the world multiple times, you wouldn't want to see a Captain America shield on the Statue of Liberty? I mean, I love it. I think it's ridiculous, I, but I love it. It's I just funny like that, that like, the they're move. like, we're going to repurpose the Statue of Liberty to just be holding up a Captain America shield. Yeah, I mean, America, if, if, if America and the world had just gone through, like, extinction-level events, multiple extinction-level events of the past 10 years and survived... Yeah, fucking throw Captain America shield it up does, there. I feel like it does very feel very earned. on point for America. Yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't just part of like Mount Rushmore at that point. Um, yeah, throw him up there. Yeah, for sure. but I yeah I love it, especially after getting the comments. I think from uh, uh, Kate Bishop in this week's Hawkeye too, where she's like the newly renovated Statue of Liberty. She said oh, something about yeah. visiting that to Yelena. Um. And so, yeah, this is basically setting up the third act. Um, you know, each of the respective characters knows how to kind of cure slash lure in all these villains. And so they set up this uh, Statue of Liberty fight, which we've seen in the trailers. We've seen in the leaked pictures of uh, Andrew Garfield and uh, Toby Maguire. This is this is where the end game is for this movie. Yes. Also, they do the meme when they're doing the cures. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All which uh 
Yeah, which which was was great, but I feel like they they uh, were on it just a little too long. Yeah, like it, we... it didn't bother me too much. It was it was funny. Um, at first, I didn't know. I almost didn't catch it, but then I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's what they're doing." Um, but yeah, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, you 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 got to do it. <laughs> so I'm trying to think how the progression of this fight goes. Um, they lure Sandman. Electro Connors is at the Statue of Liberty. Uh, so they they cure Connors and they cure Sandman. Yep. Right. And, yeah. and both both them. actors uh, clearly were on set at least for a day for those for those uh, roles. You definitely like could totally tell that uh, Connor, the actor that plays Connors. I feel like they probably just filmed that in his apartment behind a green screen with an <laughs> iPhone or something. He yeah, was barely it's so in it. So dark, yeah. Um, but I really liked how they did Marco as like the human form of sand throughout this whole movie. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and that dude did not look like he aged a day. I'm assuming they de-aged him a little bit when he was cured. Yeah, did you feel like they must have de-aged Willem Dafoe a little bit, right? I mean, I, it looked I think great so. if they yeah. did. They probably just like digitally airbrushed them all a little bit. Yeah, um, but like it looked fucking flawless. Yeah, like it looked incredible. really good. Everything looked yeah. really good, especially for movies that came out like twenty years ago. Yes, um, just amazing. And so, okay, so Octavius helps helps the Spider Men, uh, and they they cure um, Electro as well eventually. So Electro, Sandman, and Connors are all saved. Octavius kind of makes it seem like he's going to be bad, but then he helps them out, which I thought was really good, uh, and it played really well with you know, him being in control of the arms. Yeah. So, so while they are, um, curing everyone. So it's, it's almost like each individual Spidey is like curing their own villains. Right. Like, um, but my, my favorite part is when Andrew Garfield cures, uh, Electro and he, uh, for some reason, he takes off his mask or he like wasn't wearing his mask or something. And he's kind of like talking to Max because Max is like not like a bad guy. He just like got fucked over in his universe. Right. And so uh, he's talking to Max. He fell into a vat of eels. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. And so Max is Max says something like, damn, he's like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you wear that mask and it's like you always help came out, from Queens. Like, yeah, he's like, you came from Queens. You're always helping out a lot of poor people and everything. I just kind of figured you'd be black. And Andrew Garfield just has the funniest look on his face. He's like, oh, sorry. It's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, I'm sorry. Dude, which made me, Dude, it was made hilarious. me lose it. That, that fucking killed me. But that actually still was not the hardest I laughed in the movie. But that... Didn't that he? Doesn't Jamie Foxx? He's like, man, there's got to be a Black Spider-Man out there. Yeah, yes, which yes, um, which obviously uh, there is sure My, Miles is. Morales. Uh, yeah, actually, I I believe there's multiple, but I, the most uh, famous one is obviously Miles. Right. And I mean, Miles is for sure coming to the MCU. I'm totally convinced, and I cannot oh, fucking yeah. wait. Yeah, they they they're, they're pointing at it so much. Yeah, uh, that's gonna be so sick. If 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 anybody like is unfamiliar with miles morales as a character do yourself a favor and read ultimate spider-man like read like the first like the introductions of that character dude one um, of the greatest comics of all time it, it's really mind-blowing fucking 
Brian Michael Bendis is un- unbelievable uh, in general, but particularly, I mean, that series is like his magnum opus, I feel like. I would agree. But uh, but yeah, incredible. But like, yeah, that that made me laugh so much. Just Andrew Garfield <laughs> saying, I'm sorry. And then, uh, and then, yeah, obviously the reference to Miles. Um, so good. And Jamie Foxx in this movie in general was great. And I love that Max got a glow up. Oh, he I sure did. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. Why, first of all, why would you hire Jamie Foxx and like make him, well, attempt to make him uglier. It's like you, first of all, you barely succeed. Jamie Foxx is a fucking <laughs> Greek God. I feel like basically, but, yeah. Dude <laughs> but, does not uh, age. yeah. But uh, but yeah, I love I love that you got to glow up. I hope that he comes back. I have a feeling that uh, Jamie Foxx was involved enough with the promo of this that I feel like he might come back in some way. Maybe I, ho- I hope he does. Very possible. Very possible. Um, all right, I'm trying to think of where we left off. I think partially. So I think he they have to little... Ned freeze Doctor Strange from the mirror dimension. Yep, unintentionally, I think, but yep, but probably and a good thing he Norman did. Norman arrives and destroys the box spell, which basically creates like all these crazy, like rupturing, like scars throughout the sky that is supposed to kind of represent all of like the different universes that are trying to break through into this one. Yes, um, looked looked amazing and crazy. I right, right, and and somewhere in here. MJ gets knocked down off the top of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is able to save her uh, in a very, like, a little emotional scene because he obviously wasn't yeah. able to save Gwen Stacy in his own universe. And so he kind of is able to redeem himself uh, from that perspective, which was really nice to see, which we predicted as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm, you, you 100% called that, and uh, I'm so glad it happened. I thought for me that was the most emotional scene in the movie. That one had that one had some tears flowing. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. that one got me for sure. For sure. And then um, he like he asked MJ if she's okay and then she's like, "Are you okay?" Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I uh I mean per yeah, perfectly executed. Um guy fucking love Andrew Garfield so goddamn much. Yeah, he was great in this movie. He's so good. And um so what? We oh, see that- Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that was another moment where uh, my theater went fucking ballistic. Like yeah. when, when oh, yeah. he caught her people. I mean, I felt like I, it wasn't this wasn't actually happening, but I felt like people were like throwing their hats in the air and shit. It's what it felt like. <laughs> it was like it's what yeah. it felt like for sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I think this is like kind of like the climax of of the third act here. Doctor Strange is just trying to maintain the barrier between the universes while like Peter Parker from the MCU is like trying to kill Norman Osborn. He is like going yes. on a rampage. Yes. Um, but eventually Toby Maguire like stops him from like literally doing what, uh, you know, the U S agent did in Falcon of the Winter Soldier, just like <laughs> yeah. stabbing someone in half. Yeah. He just like looks at him and the look just tells everything you need you know, to say like, this is not who you are. Um, and pretty quickly, Andrew Garfield throws him kind of the cure. And instead of slamming this piece of metal down on Osborne, he cures him and restores his sanity. Um, and so. Well, you know, for now. Yeah. I also, I also think, 
I would be fucking shocked if Willem Dafoe didn't come back as as Norman Osborn. I would be kind of surprised if he did. Yeah, I don't know. you think this so? This feels like the end for him. He's getting okay. old. See, I feel like there was a relatively recent-ish storyline of almost exactly this. He got cured, and then he rehabilitated his public image, and then the goblin just slowly just, like, ripped back through. And uh, and I feel like that would be fucking amazing. Hey, I if, think if Norman Osborn's wants coming to make back, but it won't be him. Spin-off movies, you, dude. Can you imagine just a Green Goblin movie just about that, dude? That'd be sick. Why don't you fucking do that, Sony? Well, they're too busy with Mobius. <laughs> Nothing. Oh my god! They they showed that Mobius trailer in before this movie, and. Like I said, the thing that made me hardest laugh laugh hardest in the movie I we haven't talked about yet. But like maybe the thing that made me laugh harder than anything was that stupid fucking line is uh do you need a doctor? I am a doctor. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's so dumb. It's really bad. It's, it's really bad. So bad. Oh boy. I'm just it's... so glad that just like Doctor Strange holding back the universe, Kevin Feige was able to hold back Sony. Yeah, Jesus Christ. All right, we got to wrap this movie up. What do we got left yep, yep, here? Yep, yep, yep. Um So so I think we skip I think we skip one of my favorite parts. Well, first of all, the thing that made me laugh was their little conversation where it's not really going well for them and they they have to figure their shit out. So they meet up, they have a little team meeting and they have a brief uh conversation where Tom Holland's like, "Look, like this isn't working." He's like, I, I don't want to brag, but I will just because I need to like express to you that I know how to work on, in a team because I've been on the Avengers. And Tobey Maguire's like, he's like, whoa, that's amazing. What are the Avengers? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> which was no yeah, idea. which which was great. But um, but then so again they have uh, they have a brief conversation about like. Because earlier they're like calling each other like Peter one and Peter two and the, and they don't know who that is, and the thing that made me laugh the hardest by far is so Tom Holland's like getting him psyched up. He's like, all right, we need to just pick one and attack together. So he's like, he points to himself, Peter one. He points to Toby, Peter two. And the thing that fucking killed me is Andrew Garfield just kind of throws his hands up in bafflement, and he's just like, Peter three. <laughs> And just yeah. his, his delivery of Peter 3, like, I mean, I was, like, crying tears of laughter. I was laughing so fucking hard. Just don't all know their why interactions were so good. They oh, my so God. Good. Like, I don't know why that got me so hard, but it fucking killed me. And then, in what I thought actually was kind of a little bit rude to the amazing Spider-Man uh, movies, is Andrew Garfield grabs Tom and Toby, and he goes, I love you guys. And they just kind of look at him for a second, and they're like, "Thanks." Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's so cringe. Yeah, that like that like come on, man. The Amazing Spider-Man movies have a lot of redeeming qualities, and, and the the most of which being Andrew Garfield himself. Basically, yeah, him and Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah, so good. But um, I I love that whole sequence so fucking. Yeah, much. It, all all their little <gasps> conversations between them are so good. Oh, and they're then so the good. the other like crazy action move thing that I thought was sick was directly after that when all three, it was like their big moment when all three of them jumped off the thing and then they like webbed each other and just like bounced each other out. 
And that was like the sickest thing I've ever seen in my life. Dude, so good. Just like so whoever good. was designing all these movements did a really good job. Yeah, incredible. Fucking Absolutely incredible. insane. So how did we resolve this? The universe is breaking here. And Peter realizes the only way to kind of protect the universe is to erase himself from everyone's memory. So he wants everyone to forget that Peter Parker is they wants everyone to forget Peter Parker, right? Yeah. Which which, you know, they make they can remember Spider-Man, but not Peter Parker. Which the spell to me is really confusing, and I don't quite understand all the logistics of it. Um, but Peter promises MJ and Ned that he'll find them again. And the spell gets cast, returning everyone to their respective universes. Uh, they kind of just like fade away with like some light. And all the multiverses that were breaking through from the first spell are nullified because no one remembers Peter Parker anymore. Um, and so that kind of resolves itself. All the people go back, um, which is why we see in that first after credit scene, we see Venom go back too. Thank goodness. Hmm. Um, and so Parker, Peter Parker goes to reintroduce himself to MJ and Ned, uh, who are kind of at that diner where, where MJ works. And they don't remember him at all. Um, oh wait, let me go back one scene too. Doctor Strange is like he he's hesitant to do the spell, and he's like, "All the people that love you, we won't remember you, yeah, what you did." And I was like, "Oh my god, Doctor Strange loves Peter <laughs> after all this." And I just really love that. I really love that that line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no one remembers him at all, and so he goes to introduce himself to MJ and Ned, and he just can't do it. He sees that like they're both doing really well. And I think they're they're accepted to school. And so, you know, he just goes and gets a coffee and he decides not to really say anything because he just sees MJ and Ned happy. And he sees MJ happy in like this way that he hadn't really seen her in a while. And I think he just thinks like the stress of him being Spider-Man and how that affects his friends. He just doesn't want to have to bear that responsibility, which was really tough to watch. Um, and he kind of just walks away. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happens. He goes and visits May's grave and Happy Hogan walks up and he's like, how did you, how did you know her? And that, he just no, says, through Spider-Man. Tough. Yeah. Which was this really fucked up. I'm so confused about this spell. It seems really weird because of all the interactions these people have had with both Peter and Spider-Man. But you just kind of have to like hand wave it and just be like, okay, like they just don't remember Peter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it basically, he has a conversation with Happy and it kind of is kind of like an inspiration to carry on with without his identity, you know, and, and he decides to, uh, you know, he moves into an apartment in New York and we see him with a sewing machine and he makes the most live action comic accurate Spider-Man suit we have seen. And it really feels like uh, like the end of an origin of the MCU Spider-Man and you see him flying around New York City in this comic accurate suit. Um, and it just felt really good. The end of it felt really good. Yeah, it definitely felt like, um, like you said, it's, it's almost like this is the, this is the end of his origin story. Finally, it's like, he is Peter Parker. He's the Peter Parker that, that is a lot of people's favorite Peter Parker, where he's like, he's just kind of like alone he doesn't want people like he wants to protect anyone in his life from being spider-man also peter parker wouldn't be peter parker if his life didn't absolutely suck so like it's clearly that you know he's in the apartment he's broke 
Um, looks like he's the spell was so effective, like he needs to retake his GED because he like his just records don't exist. It looked like he had yeah. like a GED prep book. Um, so just so, wild. This is yeah. where it left him off is wild, very wild. But okay, so so the suit. I am bad at like eyeballing. I mean, it just looked like a Spider Man suit to me. Like I can't even tell you what was different about it. I need. I wish I could find a good image of it, but. Here's something I did not like. Unfortunately, the only thing I noticed was something I didn't like. Why is the blue so goddamn shiny? I just think that they were really trying to accent. Like, I I genuinely think when they're like telling the people who are designing this slash like CGIing it, like this is supposed to be the first suit from the first issue of Amazing Fantasy. I just think they're just really trying to accent the blue in it. But I guess I, I didn't really notice how uh, shiny it was. I guess. Oh, it's I the know. only thing I it's the only thing I noticed. It is so outrageously shiny. Like, I'm shocked you didn't notice. It was like the only thing I could pay attention. Maybe to. that's all he could get at Joanne Fabrics, you know, <laughs> dude. It uh, like it looks like a uh, like a figure skating costume. Yeah, like it, like it <laughs> was so, funny. so shiny. Oh my gosh! But like the rest of it, it looked fine though. But like, yeah, very shiny. But I wish they would release. I know they will eventually. But I need them to release like an official, an official uh, screen grab or photo of that. Yeah, fuck yeah, man! They'll definitely do that. Yeah, for sure. Give it a week. Yeah. Um. All right. So I think we did the first credit scene. We're good with that. Um. The second after credit scene was a trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I'm shocked they haven't dropped that uh, yet either. They probably will this week. Dude, I, I really want to watch it again because yeah. there was a lot going on in that. But it did look pretty fucking crazy. And we got to see Wanda again, yep. which was great. I'm so, I'm you know, you know how I feel about Wanda Maximoff and, oh, and yeah. the Scarlet Witch. Um, that I... looked amazing. It just it looks like a crazy movie. Yeah, I do. I did get the horror vibes too. Like yes. it, it's, I, I remember feeling like, "Ooh, this is this feels uh, very creepy." I think we saw Shumagorath. Yes, we saw Shumagorath, and yeah, we like saw Evil Doctor Strange. What's from, that? We saw Evil Doctor Strange from What? That's if? right. That's right. Yeah, we basically yeah. It's like looks like the Evil Doctor Strange from What If kind of. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I really want to watch that trailer again to kind. of kind of analyze it in further detail maybe when it comes out we'll talk about it on the podcast and walk yes through it. definitely um but yeah evil doctor strange pretty crazy um really <laughs> really interested to watch that again it was very good but there was so much going on I, we got a glimpse of uh uh what is her name american america chavez oh i uh, missed that nice and so lots of interesting stuff going on there i'm i'm pretty hyped for that movie did you like how they hand waved away in literally one second everything that happened in the show WandaVision? What did they say? I'm trying to remember. Oh, <laughs> but she's like, I did some said, things wrong. And he's like, I'm he's not like, here. Yeah, to talk I'm not about here to that. talk about Westview. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh it's over. God. That's it. That's that's the only that's the only reference we'll probably ever get. In because, the grand scheme of things, I'm like, Westview is very inconsequential. Yeah, because I mean, Vision was dead before Westview and now he's still dead. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we just there's got that like one an all white version around. out there. Yeah. But. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I'm very interested, dude. See how much that connects. But man, what a movie. What crazy after credit scenes. I'm so glad Kevin Feige fucked over Venom because uh, that's what Venom deserves. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, I was so happy. All right. Any last words before we rate this bitch? No. Great fucking movie. Uh, yeah. Great fucking movie. I think we both know where this is headed, but yeah. as we do on the Infinity Watch podcast, we rate our shows, movies, whatever we're talking about, out of six full, unadulterated Infinity Stones. Spider-Man No Way Home, Eric. What do you got? Um, yeah, I, this is an easy six. I mean, this is a super easy six out of six. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's the best Spider-Man movie or my favorite, but I'd rate a few of them six out of sixes. But this is, uh... Interesting. Yeah, but this is, um... I, I I mean, it's incredible. It's everything you would ever want out of a movie like this. It It's kind of a nice love letter to Spider-Man's cinematic history. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it does so many things, and it does them all well. Like, it's like, it's a retrospective on Spider-Man's cinematic history. It's while also being an origin story for the new Spider-Man and not feeling like one of these weird like reboots that like draw on like the old stuff that's like so common nowadays mm-hmm. um it's just uh yeah it just did so many things so well all of the actors fucking killed it the actors that got to come back like all of the actors that got done dirty all got justice in this movie sure as hell did man literally uh jamie fox andrew garfield um i mean for, like everybody everybody got their moments um, even, I feel like even Ned and MJ got so, we didn't really talk about them much, but their part in this movie was significant and they yeah. both did, they both did really good. And like, it felt like it was intent. Uh, it was obviously intentional. Like it, 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 it add, yes, it added to the story. Like, it wasn't like, can we finish up with these dorks and get onto the superheroes? Like it was, it didn't feel like that at all. Like they were, they were a great part of the movie. Every um, element of this movie, of this story, how they wrap things up, how they got us from A to Z, felt like they did it as best as they could. It was very well-intentioned and purposeful, and there wasn't any scenes that were just wrapped up for wrapping it up's sake. Yes. Which you feel like that, that happens in a lot of movies. And this whole movie, I felt like they just handled it perfectly. The yeah. execution was so good. Um. And it could have been really bad. And I just, you know, (laughs) everything you said, I agree with. The one thing I would say, it's obvious six for me. Um, This is my favorite Spider-Man movie. This is what I consider the best Spider-Man movie. Um, Possibly because it's very meta. And the movie is about Spider-Man and Spider-Men that have existed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just think it handled everything with such care while having lots of different storylines going at the same time, lots of great Doctor Str- it's, it has the best Doctor Strange magic in it. Yeah, yeah. It has great interactions and great homages to all the Spider-Man movies. It just was it just was great. All all around amazing. It, so not only was it amazing, but I don't know if you've even really thought about this yet, but I I did immediately is how this movie made me Th- like through the roof hyped for fantastic four because john oh, watts yeah. is directing it yeah he i mean he's done such a great job and people <sighs> don't give him that much praise like you hear about james gunn all the time yeah uh you know th- these movies are so good yeah they're yeah they're so good 
so good. And the fact that he, I felt like this story more than any of the other Spider-Man stories had a level of like heart and the humor also didn't feel super MCU-ish. Like it just felt like it had a little more, with the, I mean, some exceptions, the the Scooby-Doo shit whatever but uh, but uh <laughs> but I, I felt like um it's like the humor had like just like everything had heart and i feel like more than anything that's what the fantastic four is gonna need is like it, it's gonna need the fantastic four to me are almost like borderline just level like cheesy just their like relationship as a family i mean that yep. that that movie in my opinion does really need to be about like a family like that should be the focus and the superhero shit should should you know be kind of the background if it's if it's done right but well, but and no. i th- and i think he will do it right i feel like he's shown that like his focus is like really just giving this movie a lot of heart and i'm i just made me so excited for fantastic 4 calling it right now Spider-Man showing up in John Watts' Fantastic. Movie. I think he might. I would love it. Give me the, oh my God, give me the Future Foundation suit. Yep, Future Foundation all the way, baby. Holy shit. I think shit. that would be awesome. That would be unreal. Or I, you know what? Fuck the free, just give me the amazing bag man. Or, or whatever his, that's what he's called, right? When he just, he has like the blue Fantastic Four costume and just the bag over his head. Yep. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I'm assuming now I'm going to also say that that uh, the Fantastic Four bought out Avengers Tower. I'm just going to guess. Yes. Yes. We'll see. But I don't know. They would lose the Baxter building, but maybe they'll call it the Baxter building. I don't know. Yeah, just change the name. What are, is the Baxter we'll building out. a real building in New York? Um, Let's see. Baxter. Building. If it's not, fuck it. Just make it. That's the Avengers Tower now. I don't think it is a real building. Yeah, it's fictitious. Yeah. So, yeah. Baxter building. Boom. That would that would be amazing. I would love that. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to that. I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan, so super, super yeah. excited. All right. Eric, what do you got to recommend this week? I mean, look, I'm just going to recommend uh, going to see Spider-Man No Way Home. And if you uh, hate people like I do, just go and see a matinee and buy two tickets, and it'll still be less than going to see a movie in the evening. And you'll have a buffer seat. And uh, you'll have you'll have a great time. Um, nice. Yeah. Go. I guess a stack on top of that, I would say if you go see that either before or after, go watch all the movies, the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, there you go. Because I think as you watch or rewatch, if you watch them before, then you, you'll appreciate the movie a lot. If you watch them after, you'll just gain that appreciation as you watch watch them and, and see all those callbacks. And it just adds even more to the movie experience. So. Um, what do we got? We got seven Spider-Man movies before this one, not including, uh, the movies Spider-Man appeared in that were not titled Spider-Man. So, mm-hmm. um, they're obviously all on sale right now. If you want to buy them on digital, um, or you could buy a hard copy if that's your thing. Um, but I highly recommend watching the Tobey Maguire movies and the amazing Spider-Man movies. A lot of people haven't seen those amazing Spider-Man movies. Um, and so there's only five movies. If you want to check them out, I highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah, and the Amazing Spider-Man movies, while not perfect, are uh, definitely worth a watch, especially the first one. I would say the biggest problem with the first one, which I don't have a problem with because I love it, but people hate the suit. And it's a very different take. So, But but I feel like the suit 
made people, the other problems with the movie, way bigger to most people. I feel like if you can look past the suit, that movie's mostly fine. Second movie has some pretty big issues, I would say, but there's still lots of fun parts it's to it. It's a fun it's, movie. Yeah, it's still worth the watch for sure. Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be taken, like, super, super seriously. Yeah. It's, it's a fun movie, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and the second one has, I think everybody agrees, a great suit. Well, oh, that's yeah. the one that we Absolutely. saw in, the, in uh, this movie as well. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. All right. Reach out to us. Hit us up on Twitter at Infinity Rewatch or shoot us an email at theinfinitywatchpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the movie. And don't forget to tell us to fuck the billionaires. Oh, fuck the billionaires. Especially that lady with the $20,000 rug. Yeah. Oh, my God. The worst. My gosh. Deserves to be ruined. 